Welcome back to No Sleep Till Gondara. I'm your host, Mike. This is a Journey to the West podcast where I'm reading through the book for the first time and I'm talking about what I found interesting about it. This episode, I am not continuing on with the introduction, as you may have anticipated. Instead, I have had the week from hell and I have not been able to do any further reading of the book. But... I was extremely interested in one of the topics that came up in the previous episode, which was the Zhuangwu Gate incident. The details that Anthony, the editor of the, this version of the book that I'm reading, brought up were very unclear to me. So I did some further research, and I mentioned last time that I found a documentary produced by the Chinese government that talked about the event in great detail, in four parts, no less. And so I spent my week watching that and made a bunch of notes about as a a sort of summary, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. (laughs) Uh, Just as a reminder, the context for this is that Uh, And why this is important is because this incident is what led to the emperor at the time of Xuanzang's journey forbidding travel outside of the kingdom, which is why Xuanzang had to, uh, when he made his request to travel, it was initially denied and then he had to disguise himself with a merchant caravan in order to leave China on his way to India. Okay, so, the Zhuangwu Gate Incident. <laughs> this involved three brothers and their father. 
So their father was Li Yuan. And Li Yuan was the emperor at the time of the incident. And the three brothers, th- this was a coup for power, which ended in one of the brothers killing the other two and overthrowing his father in order to take power and become Emperor Taizong of the Tang Dynasty, who was the emperor that forbid Xuanzang from leaving and subsequently pardoned him when he returned and welcomed him back and allowed him to do all of his translation work. So... Uh, one of my questions when I was, uh, from last episode, I think I pointed out that it was funny to me that Anthony described the Emperor Taizong credited his rise to power to the support of Buddhists. And I was saying that's funny to me because Anthony also described that the Emperor won his role in a bloody coup. Uh, And I think some of this helps answer that weirdness. And it was also weird to me about this Shuanwu Gate incident being so heinous as to be infamous in history. And yet this Emperor Taizong, who through this incident rose to power or took power is remembered as a great person and a benevolent ruler. Uh, So I think this, what I found in this documentary helps answer those questions. (laughs) Although I will tell you up front, something I found frustrating or frustrating and surprising was that there was absolutely zero mention of Buddhism, Buddhists, or Xuanzang in this documentary. Uh, So, with that context out of the way, the lead-up to the Xuanwu Gate incident starts with Emperor Li Yuan, and he has three sons that are like the uh, heirs apparent. So two of them are brothers and one of them is their half-brother. So we have uh, Li Zhenchong, who's the oldest. And then you have Li Shermin. And then you have Li Yuanji, who's the half-brother. Li Zhenchong is the uh, crown prince. So he is the next in line for the throne. And Li Shermin is a general of the army who has had many military victories. And the two of them are like rivals where they are constantly accusing each other of treason to their father And their father, the emperor, is 
never punishing them for wasting everybody's time and getting people killed and having proxy wars and uprisings and uh, misunderstandings, which people are groveling to the emperor to apologize for, for like a decade almost leading up to the incident. And the reason I bring that up is because the scholars in this documentary frequently say that a lot of this could have been avoided if Emperor Li Yuan took a harder stance with his sons and actually attempted to correct them and check their egos and clear up the misunderstandings and uh, put them in timeout, essentially. And so after such a long time of not doing this, the kind of last straw for Li Shermin, who is the general, not the crown prince, was that one of these more minor plots happened and the Emperor Li Yuan was like, enough is enough. I am going to send you away outside of the palace to a different residence. And uh, your, you know, the oldest brother, the crown prince, Li Zhenchong, is going to stay here. And <laughs> I'm splitting you up. You can't sit next to each other anymore. <sighs> And uh, Li Sherman was not going to have that. So, because he is the general of the army, and all the army bros love him, he has the army's support. So he musters forces and creates this plan where he's going to overthrow his father and kill his brother and his half-brother all in one fell swoop. And this goes down... On July 2nd, 626 AD, uh, which of course was not July 2nd to them, but that's the date, <laughs> the date that it was for them. That's how it translates to our calendar today. The, the Xuanwu Gate, by the way, if you can't picture what I'm talking about, this is a palace gate of Taiji Palace in Chang'an at the time and it's on the north side of the palace which offers a panoramic view of the imperial city so there are many gates around the imperial city and Li Zhenchong and Li Yuanji are going to have to enter to see their father Li Yuan through the Zhuangwu gate and that's why the Zhuang, that's why this is the incident occurring at the Zhuangwu Gate. Li Shermin has set them up. The way he's going to execute this coup is he has told his father, the Emperor Li Yuan, that his two brothers have been having relations with the Imperial concubines, which is very scandalous. And his father has decided to call a meeting to find out the truth. So that is what brings his brothers 
to the gate to see their father. Of course, when they get there, Leisherman is waiting with his army, and they get ambushed and murdered. (laughs) Does not go well for them. In response to hearing that there's a coup happening against Li Zhenchong, his loyal soldiers respond to the gate, and which was said to be a force of 2,000 strong. And so there's a massive battle at this palace gate. Because it took some time to get that amount of people there, by the time they get there, the bodies have been cleared away. So they don't even know that he's dead. So during this battle, one of Lee Sherman's generals goes up on the uh, ramparts and displays the prince's severed heads on top of the wall. And this breaks Lee Zhenchong's forces morale because they're like, well, no use fighting. Our guy's already dead. And so they disperse. Even though all this has gone down, somehow news has not yet reached Li Yuan, the emperor, who is waiting for this meeting to happen. What Li Shermin does is send one of his most trusted guys, Yu Chir Jingder, remember that name for later, to tell Emperor Li Yuan that he's been sent to protect him from a coup by Li Yuanji, who was the half-brother. And, oh, by the way, Li Yuanji and Li Jianchang are already dead. Yu Churjinter demands that Li Yuan order the palace guards to stop resisting and to make anyone who would seek revenge for Li Jianchang's death into traitors who would be defying imperial orders. And Li Yuan gives in and surrenders to Li Shermin. Then Li Shermin orders the male heirs of Li Jinchong and Li Yuanji to be killed and their names to be deleted from the record of the imperial family to prevent any of them becoming a rallying point for a rebellion in the future. This included the crown prince, Li Zhenchong's teenage sons. Pretty fucked up bloodbath, if you ask me. What happens next is a procession of Li Zhenchong's generals, including a guy named Feng Li, surrendering to Li Shermin and asking to serve him. And then Li Shermin taking those guys and his own loyal guys and appointing them into the highest positions of government in all the different departments. Uh, The Emperor Li Wan, who in the Journey to the West book that Anthony wrote in the introduction, he said that he might have also been killed. This documentary says instead that he made an official decree that Li Shermin was the new emperor two months after the gate incident, and then he isolated himself. So seemingly he was not killed. Later that year, on October 26th of 626, 
Lee Sherman ordered that his brothers get a royal funeral. And according to the historians in the video, the Emperor Lee Sherman now felt extremely guilty for what he had done. And he wanted people to forget the incident. And so he wanted to show people his good side and do everything he could to try to overcome the tarnish on his legacy for the Xuanwu Gate incident and this bloody coup that he did. Two years later, he renamed himself Sheng Wan, and China entered into what's known as the Golden Age of Sheng Wan, in which he did everything he could to serve the people. And I think that answers the irony I mentioned about how in the introduction to the Journey to the West, uh, Anthony, you could say, that Taizong, which is another name for Li Sherman as emperor now of the Tang Dynasty after this coup, could be crediting his rise to power to Buddhists and being a patron of Xuanzang and knowing about all of the brutality that he enacted and the different factions who were loyal to each of the different brothers and the emperor, it makes more sense to me now why soldiers who might fall into those camps would be suspicious of anyone trying to leave the country after a bloody coup, and especially anyone who was stationed at a important gate might be a little paranoid at this time. So now that series of events makes way more sense to me, although it is different than what Anthony outlines in his introduction to this version of Journey of the West that I'm reading. So I found that very interesting. A final few notes from this documentary that I want to touch on before... I end the episode. One thing was that the Tang Dynasty had a tradition of keeping historical records, and which is how we know all this information. Supposedly, that is what this documentary was pulling from. And the emperor was forbidden from influencing what would be written in those records about himself. But... Taizong, Li Shermin, is recorded as still trying to convince the record takers that he was forced to righteously kill his brothers to save the country. So this is more evidence that he was haunted by his actions and was constantly doing everything he could to beat the accusations. <laughs> uh... Bad news about that almost 1,400 years later. Another account, speaking of being haunted, said 
that Lee Sherman was afraid of the ghosts of his brothers. And so he had his two most trusted guys, one of which was that general, Yuchir Jingder, and another one was Qin Shubao, and he stationed them to guard his doors at night while he slept. And when they retired from the army, he hung their portraits up outside his door. And that tradition of hanging their portraits there carried on after the Tang Dynasty. And those two guys became worshipped as door gods or portal guardians. And that does it for today. I hope you found that interesting. I certainly did. And one of the things I found most interesting about it was that there were such differing accounts and inconsistencies. And even in the documentary, there were many contradictions that they acknowledged where certain details of the events are still contested and we'll probably never know the real answers at the same time i think it's pretty amazing that there were such thorough record keeping practices going on that we could know the amount of details that we do 1400 years later that's pretty incredible of course i do find it funny that the name that's been decided on is incident the Shuanwu Gate incident? It makes it seem like somebody committed a faux pas, like they wore white after Labor Day or something. Like <laughs> an incident is like, uh, you know, today we might say describe something that way when uh, you have a family argument over the holidays and not uh, murdering your brothers. And all of their male heirs in a bloody coup. But I guess that does qualify. So anyway, <laughs> I've been your host, Mike. If you would like to email me, you can do that at nosleepjourney at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments or corrections feel free to email me at nosleepjourney at gmail.com. You can find my other creative work at my website, which is michaelmcubbin.com, or you can find me on Twitter at McClubbin. I hope you'll join me next time, where I will maybe be getting back to the introduction to Journey to the West. There might be one more lecture that I found online that I summarize before I come back to the book, but I'll make that decision in the interim. So we'll see what happens next time. <laughs> okay, that's it. Goodbye. See you next time right here on No Sleep Till Gondara. Gondara.